Belka. You asked me before about my exile, about how I came to join Vilter's parish and why I left Embrace. I think I'm just about ready to tell that story. Nah, there's a lot to hear about the revolution, about the Ginnels and the Swifts, the bastard Nim shifts and the defiant maybes. First though, let's start with what's important. That city is a fucking hole. And I say that as someone who fought for it. That's all that revolution was. All of us looking around and seeing the difference in what we had and what they had. Seeing what they were taking from us and deciding to do something about it. Fucking great families and all those who strove to be like them. They claimed that they were owed more of embrace than the rest of us. Because they'd got here first or a distant relative killed a remnant or because living off land your great grandma bought or selling other people's toil is a harder day's graft than the rest of ours. Well, we're having none of that. My heart begins to swell thinking on it. I can still feel those songs on my tongue, smell the warm press of bodies sweating in that summer sun. I can still see the faces of my brave comrades. We'd not risk life or limb no more in the factories till summit was done. But then, as if bound by chain and anchor, my heart is yanked down to the depths. I remember everything that came after. It's been over 20 years since I stepped foot in that city, but it won't let me go. Embrace is a fucking hole. Welcome to season two of These Flimsy Rituals, an actual play podcast focused on telling small stories in big worlds. Joining me for this episode and for the season are Elizabeth Simones. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Simones, and you can find me on Twitter at CSilfGames. Ryan Evans. Hey, I'm Ryan. You can find me on Twitter at BrainXray. Thryn Henderson. Hi, I'm Thryn, and you can find me on Twitter at Thryn. Steve Martin. Hello, I'm Steve, uh, and I'm on Twitter at purple underscore Steve. And we're welcoming to the show Beck Mihalak. Hi, I'm Beck, and you can find me on Twitter at r underscore Mihalak. If you've listened to Shards and Fragments Earlif, you recognise Beck as a guest from those episodes. We really enjoyed playing with her then. She brought a lot of good ideas and energy into those episodes, so we're really excited to have her along for this season and to get to play more games with her. Finally, I'm your host, Adam Dixon. You can follow me on Twitter at @dixon, and you can follow the show on Twitter at Flimsy Rituals. We have a website at flimsyrituals.com, and we also have a Discord if you want to come and chat to other people about the episodes. I'll put a link to that in the episode notes. Before I jump into explaining a little bit more about this season and what we'll be doing, I first wanted to do a couple of other acknowledgements. First of all, we're going to be using music this season. At the time of recording this, we're planning on all of it to be taken from Satin by Kai Engel. I'll put a link in the episode notes to where you can find the album, just in case you really like it and want to listen to more of the album or his work. Secondly, you might have noticed the the gorgeous map of Embrace that we have. So that was done by Ben Swindon. I'll put a link to his website in the episode notes as well. We commissioned it a couple of months before we launched the season and were just blown away by how it has turned out. Ben really ran with a lot of the ideas we have for the city and just the bits of the map that I can't wait to play in. We'll be hosting the map on our website, and we'll also be snipping out little bits of it as we release episodes, so you can see full resolution versions of different districts that we're going to be playing in. So, this is season two of these flimsy rituals. We're calling the season Embrace, after the city that it's set in. If you're listening to the podcast for the first time, I just wanted to reassure you that this is a good place to be starting. 
while this season does have links to our first season, Tiding, we've designed it to work as a standalone season. It is set 25 years before the events of Tidings. So if you listen to this season first, really like it, and then go back and listen to the rest of our work, it's not going to give you any spoilers about what happens there. And in fact, you might be able to appreciate the first season a little bit more, knowing some of the background. So there might be a few events and characters that overlap between this season and Tiding. I would say don't worry too much about what those are, because there won't be many. And if things do come up that we feel need to be explained for for players to appreciate them, we're committed to doing that work. So if there's something that we feel will add to the story, if you know that, oh, they become this person or they are linked in some way to an episode we've recorded before, we'll make sure to acknowledge that where, where it feels right to. The second reason why I think this is a good place to start is while I loved the first season Tiding a lot and would recommend that people go and listen to it, we were still learning our craft while recording it. And I think we're, we're all a lot better at recording and editing our work. So if you are here for the first time, I thought I'd very quickly go over the key points of our setting. So Embrace is in a world called Rhine. Rhine is a world that feels autumnal. It feels like it's approaching the end of something. A bleak winter is on the horizon, and we're not really sure whether the world will survive that, whether there will be a spring after it. This world is shaped by beings called remnants. They are titanic god husks that shape the landscape and people around them. They're called remnants because they, they are what's left of something that came before. Part of the reason that this world feels like it's failing is that these remnants have been cloven in two. There are the vacant, who are formed of rock and diamond and sand. They are purely physical manifestations. And there are the echoes, formed of spirit, who might take the form of mist or ethereal figures or memories. Remnants have a real effect on the world and people live in their shadows, trying their best to get by. Each remnant has a domain, so if there's a remnant of a territory focused around something like grief, that territory would be shaped by that. It, it might be that the food there tastes really flavourless. It might be that the skies are always grey. There might be manifestations of ghosts and memory that exist within that landscape. If a remnant was focused on perfection, what you might see in that landscape are countless copies of one single perfect flower. So building on the remnants, the second thing that feels important to mention is that spirit is a real, tangible thing in the world. A great web of it tangles around everything within Rhine. Magic draws from it. Some people manipulate it to change what has happened and what will be. Ghosts are real. This season, as I've said, we're going to be focusing on a single city in this world. We're going to be focusing on Embrace. Which, in the time that we're playing in, is in the midst of a revolution. We're going to be playing a game of Blades in the Dark by John Harper to work this out. So normally Blades in the Dark is set in a haunted, almost Victorian city and follows a crew of scoundrels trying to get by or get rich by enacting daring scores. For our game, we're going to be doing things a little bit different. And I thought this might be a good moment to talk a little bit more about Embrace and what this city is like. So I thought I'd start this with a story, like the foundation story of this city. Years ago, here at this confluence between two rivers, there was a remnant known as Kerdroya. It was known to be a creature of labyrinth, of path, of destiny. And where it sat, between those two riverbanks, there was a great whirlpool. People came to live around Kedroya's swirl. It was their god. They lived on the islands formed of the debris 
that swept down the rivers. Generations spent their lives hopping from one island to the next. But then, one day, a second remnant came. Redela, a great salamander whose many frills shone bright like the dawn. It was held to be a creature of the first light, of renewal. However, its arrival brought disaster. It fell into Kerdroya's maelstrom, and the two began a titanic struggle. Each time Kerdroya tore limbs off Rodella, they would just regrow the next morning. And as Rodella sought to escape Kerdroya's labyrinth, it drew itself deeper within. Neither could gain the upper hand, and the world suffered as dawn and destiny sought to destroy each other. The people of the island suffered most of all. In this turmoil, a group struck out to do the unthinkable, the heretical. With blade and spirit and concept, they brought death to both of the remnants. They ended their struggle. In doing so, the labyrinth became maze and whirlpool royal. Dawn became dulled and growth untamed, and where their corpses lay, an island formed, and then a city. Its citizens named it for the remnant struggle. They named it Embrace. Today, we're not going to be starting our game of Blades in the Dark. Instead, we're going to be doing a little bit of world building. We're going to be playing a game of The Ground Itself by Everest Pipkin, which is a game about places over time. So we decided to play this game to give ourselves and you a little bit of grounding in what Embrace is like, and to paint a picture of one specific little area of it. This game takes place over this episode and the next two episodes. So if you're not as into world building, you might want to skip ahead to episode four, which is when we start our game of Blades in the Dark. But if you do listen to these three episodes, I think you'll find something really valuable. I think we start to paint with a good deal of nuance what what our city is about. So, to get us started, I thought I'd read a little bit from the book about what the ground itself is as a game and, and what it focuses on. This is a game about places over time. Think about the places that have been important to you. Your childhood fort under the rosebush. Your first apartment, the one with the view. The town where your grandmother spent her last few years. Or, think about the places that have been or will be important to others. A city-state in revolt. An ant colony. A generation ship 400 centuries into its voyage towards another star. Although there may be times during the game when we are compelled to widen or narrow our focus, this is not possible for us. The story we are building is about this place, this field, this star, this city, this tree, this crossroads. No matter how we feel about our characters, if they leave our frame, we may not follow. Our camera is anchored to our place, and may not pivot or stray. Remember that places have memory, that what has happened here is always in some small or big way, written into the walls, the stones, or the future of the people who continue to live here. Fundamentally, this is a game about the echoes and traces we leave for others after we are gone. I thought it'd be really useful to just kind of do a quick overview of like Embrace as a city and maybe what we think it is, because we've spoken about it a bit. Something something I'm quite a fan of when you said uh did you say it was a struggle between dawn and fate or something like that? Yeah. That that's something I like uh, the um the, the concept of the the labyrinths being being like the idea of a, a a set a set path. I'd never really thought of that in in the same kind of 
context as fate, and I, I really like that as an idea. It's cool. Yeah. I enjoy that it kind of conceptually gives us a place that is eternally caught between the idea of starting afresh and the idea of keeping going. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. I So I think we've kind of referred to a city a couple of times in the first season, and one of my favourite lines about the city is, it's a fucking hole. And there's a degree to which this is true. Like, my concept of the city is it's almost two cities entwined together. So there's the physical city, which is spread across three or four different islands at the centre of these, like, two rivers. But then I think because Kadroya was spiritual and because, as you said, like, it unspooled and went from being a labyrinth, which kind of has, like, a fixed pattern, to becoming, like, maze-like, I think there's all of that. There is, like, the maze which I've not quite decided whether it's under the city or overlaid on the city or both. And maybe we'll find that out today. But like just this other city that people can tap into. And I think because of that, one of the things that's kind of on my mind is like, death is probably quite different here because it's very hard for spirits to just die and go to where they're meant to be. They kind of have to navigate this labyrinth to, to get to whatever afterlife exists in this world. That's cool. It almost feels like both remnants are kind of to blame for the proliferation of ghosts we're imagining, though, because, like, obviously the literal ghosts are trapped here because all the spirit threads are twisted in this weird, never-ending maze. Um, But I guess if that other remnant still has that lingering influence of renewal, they can't just fade away either. They just have to keep refreshing. Yeah. I imagine like they fade away gradually, but at a much slower rate. And yeah, if they get trapped in a labyrinth, they probably just disappear for centuries and then come back like, oh, yeah, this isn't where I wanted to be. Well, and what if there's like, because it's kind of the salamander could regrow limbs. So there's areas where that regrowth was stronger. The spirits could be fading and fading and then go through an area of the maze or where Rodella was and all of a sudden become stronger again i'm really excited to explore that as we play because we've not dealt with spirits and ghosts that much in the first season like we've had them on screen but like the practicalities of it in this world i i'm really interested to find out something that's quite cool with the idea of the um the spirits kind of flowing through this maze and getting trapped and stuff is when you get bits of driftwood they get caught in an eddy they can just get stuck there for days it just so happens that the flow of the river turns itself around and you know, people can drown in them because because they just get it's just caught in something that leads them the wrong way and they just never get out, you know. So one of the things that's really important in like Blades in the Dark, and I think it's really important like as we think about Embrace, is in Duskwall, which is the main city in that game, you can't just leave. And I think the idea that Embrace is an island and We've kind of got a map in front of us, which we'll be sharing as well. But like, there are like two bridges out of the island to either bank. And I think the water itself is probably, as described, is like just this roiling water that is probably very hard to navigate. So the island itself is pretty hard to get out of. And like one of the questions that I've got is... So in Blade of the Dark, the city has like a lightning barrier around it to keep out like rogue spirits and demons. And I'm kind of curious whether there's something similar for Embrace, because I think Embrace still remains remnantless. So it still doesn't have that kind of big god shaping its landscape. It doesn't have envoys. And I think it's kind of become contested ground. There are remnants and envoys who want to claim it, but the people are probably quite adamant that they don't want that. So be interested to, at some point, whether through today or through play, explore the different ways they keep remnants out and gods out. The other thing that I briefly wanted to touch on before we start play is what the setting is like generally. So I don't think Embrace is quite up to uh, the setting in Blazing Dark, which is kind of Victorian, like, steampunky setting, but I think it's, like, quite Renaissance-like and almost edging into that being industrial as a city. So I think there are at the very least like the spirit rifles which are able to like damage like spirit and soul. Uh, I don't know whether there are normal guns. And one of the things we've kind of talked about in like a world building chats is I, I'm not sure there are like trains and photography here yet, but 
there definitely could be soon and like the player characters could probably invent that like that's kind of where we are as like a technological level and a society and i think we'll explore more about like what the society is like and what the politics are like through today and play rather than like covering it all here so to play the game we kind of have i guess a couple of choices about how we do this starting bit so the game itself has us like decide our setting and then see what our time period is but i thought like it might make more sense to see what our time period is and then we can make that choice about how closely we zoom into a city so our timeline this game is played in four cycles and each cycle is separated by a gap in time one player rolls the six-sided die and records the result and the die kind of says what the unit of time uh, we we skip is measured in and it also gives us an idea of like what scale we're working on when we're zooming into something so if we roll a one for example our gap of time is days so we're probably covering like a few hours every time we kind of go into a cycle whereas if we roll decades we're probably covering like a few months every time we go into a cycle if that makes sense so would someone like to roll the dice and this goes from like one which is days to six which is millennia two okay so a two uh means that we're looking at weeks so we're probably looking at a period of like a year in total at most, um, and we're skipping between one and six weeks between every cycle. So is everyone happy with weeks as a focus? We can choose to overrule it if we don't feel like it will fit, but I think I'm fairly happy with that. Yeah, weeks feels nice. It feels like something where we'll be looking quite closely at like the intricate movements of the city rather than... like the geography yeah i think since we have so much of the basic concept of this city mapped out it'll help fill in like the the small details instead of bringing into question all of the really large decisions yeah definitely um one question is do like do we want to pick a time of significant upheaval and turmoil or do we want to pick a peaceful time it feels to me like what we should be doing is setting it in like the weeks before when we're playing. I quite like the idea of it being sort of a couple of years before, yeah. just like the first inklings of tension. Yes, like that, like exploring why the politics in this place have shifted into revolution feels like an interesting thing we can do. Okay, so it's sort of everyday life, but there's something pushing back in the background. Yeah, I like that. Oh. Okay, um, so let's jump back to our setting. What is kind of our focus here? So we've got the city itself. Do we want to focus on the entire city? Or do we want to like narrow it into like some streets or a district within the city? I would quite like to do a district, because I think you can feel the effects of that throughout the entire city, but it could also be quite personal. I'm super curious about that little area between the kind of the spine fleshy forest, the tear into the maze and the jackals. Oh yeah, like that that triangle. Like that little like the qu- yeah, right in between all of that. So you've got like a fortress on one side, the docks, the shadow of the um the bones and also some entrance to the labyrinth, the maze. So we're kind of looking yeah. at like exactly almost the center of the island. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a really interesting place to look at because I think it's really close to where I'm imagining like the administrative and government part of the city is. Ooh. And but it's also like really close to some really weird bits of the city and also like the docks as well. So I think it'll be really interesting because we can kind of go between looking at quite big stake stuff but also looking at like what's what's it like to live near that forest like that is just growing out of the remnant what's it like to live near the jackals and all that stuff okay so the way this works is we have like a little bit of like a scene setting phase each of us is going to be dealt cards from like a shuffled set of face cards and this is going to like form a hand so we'll all have like two cards i think and then going around in a circle uh, we're going to choose one of the cards in our hand, play it down, and answer the question on it. Okay, so who would like to go first? Does anyone have a question that they want to answer? I feel like I've got a good one. 
What was the greatest moment in this place's history? An innovation, a discovery, a revolution, a new sapling, the emergence of a cycle of cicadas. All right, so I think that the big discovery here was from the weird fleshy forest. Okay. I feel like that kind of feels like it's right. Hmm, maybe they discovered something about the remnants that they didn't know before. Maybe that they were similar in physiology to the people that live here. Okay. No. I'm not sure what is exactly the similar. Yeah, so if people but... are okay to like jump in as well. I I I'm not sure on that, but like one of the things I'll say about the map is like I'm imagining this is where like the remnants heart or like its equivalent to a heart was. So it could be something related. But I like the idea that it's something about how people are related to the remnant. I thought that it could even be something like that relates to these like the main inhabitants humanities in the sense that you know how we humans in this world are varied and weird yeah. so perhaps I don't know their heart has six chambers instead of four which means they're very good at running or something like that yeah and I think a lot of uh, the humanities we've kind of seen on screen from Embrace tend to be around like being able to regrow stuff and kind of having like almost like a slow worm like ability in that way. So it could be like the trees are very like them and things like that. Yeah. So back next then, if you would like. Okay. Um. So the card I'm going to play is the Queen of Hearts. The question for that one is who or what a person, landmark, society has been in this place the longest and how did they come to be here? I think a society could have been here as rather than living here, they could have been here as in passing through regularly. Yeah, that sounds good. So so like a, a trade route or something almost rather than a place? Yeah, or maybe something drew one of the remnants, the original remnant here. What's Rodella's pulled bag again? I think what they imagine is like Rodella is the dawn, but also like growth and regrowth. Okay, so maybe this body of water was kind of almost a neutral ground for several societies meeting and trading and falling in love and swapping people over and making new connections. I think a place kind of gets infused with meaning from that. Yeah, I mean, that works in an almost physical sense for the way that we've talked about spirit in the world as like a web that connects one thing to another thing to another thing. If like loads of people are forging new connections in one spot, you must end up with like a node of spirit, like a, a place that's really heavy with that particular kind of spirit web, like a big cocoon of new starts. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 very much the start of a lot of stories, right? So like a place a place a lot of people met or a place of the place where lots of families got their start, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. And it's probably maybe there's no like physical landmark, but if you're within like the maze you could probably like perceive that in some way, which is really interesting. Yeah. I like that it's at the meeting point of two rivers as well, because that could that could almost be like uh, it was it was where two different cultures merged, where you know people from two different branches of the river met to trade or whatever. Yes, I wonder what it would have been like for the people who had always traded here when it was just how do you say the maze one? Kadroya. When it was just Kadroya, because the next few trading cycles must have been a shock. All of a sudden, <laughs> the whirlpools being completely different and roiling, and they couldn't get close. Or if they did, they got stuck. We've spoken like a little bit about this, I think, in the world building, where it's like 
I imagine while it's just Kadroi, it's people like hopping between islands and kind of like living on like one island. And then as soon as that gets too close to the center of the world pool, they'll like go to the next one. And like, you know, like if, so- if someone dies, they probably leave them on the island that are going to be like swept away soonest and things like that. So I think Ziz is next. Yeah. So I'm going to play the Queen of Diamonds. And the Queen of Diamonds is what is valued in this place? What is it known to have in excess? <laughs> I have the idea of how it has it in excess, but I'm not entirely certain what it is yet. So I'm imagining these, do you know those underwater tube worms that build houses for itself? Yes. Yeah, so I'm imagining those having roots in the maze and coming up in that fleshy forest and kind of collecting the possessions and things that get dropped in the maze and having those be recycled back up where it's really easy to get them again. So, like, the items are, like, left? Yeah, the items. Yeah, the items that are left. Um, anything that's kind of physically lost in the maze gets kind of caught by these two worms and then made into their big homes. Oh, that's so cool. That's really charming until you think about the fact that, like, people get stuck in the maze for ages and ages and, and spirits get stuck in there eternally, but, like, all of their things get turned into a big weird nest, so you know they aren't coming back. Yes. I had the exact same thought, but like, I kind of quite like that, that, you know, like there's probably definitely people go to those nests and we're like, okay, what are we going to find today? Is it going to be like some long lost treasure or is it just going to be another body? Oh, it's grandma's wedding ring. Yeah. Oh yeah. I wasn't thinking about bodies because it said specifically items. I was thinking like, you find some, an item, you know, belong to someone who you've not seen for a while and you're like, oh Yeah. That's really cool. Um, I feel like these are like are coming up through the forest, so it's part of what makes the forest really weird and creepy is there's just these kind of reaching up to the sky kind of tombs to all of the people and things that have been lost to the to the maze below. Cool. Yeah, I like it. So the excess is lost and found. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> cool. I like it. <laughs> So I have the King of Spades, which is, if there are multiple people who live here, what are they divided on? What are the points of contention that are fought over? So I think for me, it's probably a lot of questions about what to do with a lot of the stuff that's around this district or like this section of the city. Like, what what should we do with the woods? Should we just cut it all down? Like, these bones have been here for, like, centuries. We should just get rid of them. It's probably, like, a strong sentiment. Like, Embrace is probably very anti-remnant and anti-envoy. So there's probably a bit of that that kind of kicks over into, like, hey, we should get rid of all of this weird stuff because, you know, it's threatening us. And I kind of get the sense that, like, the wood has maybe grown a bit, like, recently. So there's probably a bit of, like, okay, let's, we need to deal with this. Whereas there's probably another half of the district which is like a little bit weird and like really into all of this weirdness and like the people who like harvest the the ever-growing forest for like fuel are probably really into it. You know, like the people who go and like salvage all of this weird stuff probably don't want to cut stuff down. So I think that is a big bit of contention. And there's probably like a lot of outside stuff coming in about how we use those resources. Yeah, that's cool. I like how you made it kind of ideological rather than how to use resources as in how to share limited resources. It's kind of like when you've got enough, you can start worrying about how you use it rather than like whether or not you've got it. Yeah. And a lot of people in this district don't have enough. I don't think it's like everyone's rich in these resources. It's just like I'm just like a citizen who's like a weaver or something who goes into the woods to like harvest stuff because I need it for like my magic. But like this person over here is trying to just cut all the wood down and that's damaging that. Like it's those sort of like disagreements. And there's probably like quite a lot of like community meetings, especially with like outsiders coming in and trying to like take stuff away. Okay, um, who is next? That'll be Thren. 
Okay. Um, I am going to play the Jack of Clubs, I think, which is what was this place in the past? How long ago was that? So I think I'm going to go back before the island when this space would have been Whirlpool because I think kind of looking at where the island has formed, seeing as we're sort of in the middle, I'm imagining this is sort of approaching where the middle of the Whirlpool would have been. And so we kind of mentioned a little bit that like before there was an island, island people lived on kind of the islands made from the debris caught in the Whirlpool, which I think is a really nice idea. But obviously Whirlpools go to a central point in which you definitely cannot live. So I've kind of been thinking about how those islands exist or how they existed and then did not exist. So I kind of like the idea that because the islands have a finite lifespan, you kind of live on them up until the safe zone and after you hit this point, the islands kind of are on the downward spiral. They're being sucked into the whirlpool. It's kind of non-livable. It's in decline. And there's definitely no way anyone is like going all the way to the shore of the river for a graveyard. So I like the idea that they become sort of ghost islands and you row your dead out to the village and choose them a house and kind of leave them there. <laughs> That's huh. cool. I like the idea of choosing them a house as well. That's... Yeah, I like the idea that you don't take the village down because people lived in there, they put a lot of work into it and it's it's this whole point of pride for the people who made it. I like the idea of you kind of give it over to the dead and you get to, like you'd have kids pointing at nice houses on your island being like, that's the one I'm going to have when I die, <laughs> that's going to be mine. That sort of thing. Like. <laughs> so like the idea of home homes and home in general is like quite a powerful powerful thing you know like p homes have like a spirit to them and the idea of homes and you know places having their own ghosts is a really 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 cool idea yeah I, I think it must have had like quite a lingering effect on the way that spirits now can't disperse mm. must kind of be quite difficult for people if you've built this whole ideology around like you know when it's my time I'll I'll go to the dead islands and I'll become one with Kadroya and mm. and then you lose that option when the remnant isn't there for you and the whirlpool is gone and you have to live on an island now I think it's really interesting because I imagined like this was hundreds if not thousands of years ago like how that how those beliefs probably still carry through. Yeah, I think that would be interesting to figure out as we go along. Okay, so Steve. Okay, this is a fun one. I've got the King of Hearts. What stories are told in or about this place? Does it have legends or myths? Does it have religion? So we've already got quite a lot of stories and stuff that are already there but I think something that's like myths that have come about since uh, since the remnants and since, since the city has grown up around this maze I like the idea that there is a, a legend that maze is actually the embodiment of a new remnant it's, it's the rebirth of Kadroya right there's something growing or like a gestating remnant something mm. that's coming to be underneath and there are people that worship this idea and explore the maze looking for it or trying to understand how remnants form possibly and that's really interesting i think one of the things i've been doing in my prep like one of the things i've kind of got in mind for the maze is it's probably where a lot of envoys are both like old envoys of Kadroya, as well as like if remnants are trying to you know take over this place become the new remnant of this like unclaimed bit of land the envoys are probably hidden in the maze because that seems like the safest place so that's probably like a really nice build into it 
and maybe yeah in this little district we've got is where one of the groups with that belief are kind of based does this group have a name do the oh gosh uh, <laughs> or does um, the envoy have a name that they like the new kadroya have a name oh don't don't make me name things <laughs> um i mean we you can have a think before your next turn but like i yeah, really yeah, like a name me, for uh... it okay who would like to go next i can go i'm gonna play the king of clubs if there are inhabitants what are the visions for the future that they hold is it a long view or a short one? So the inhabitants of this particular area, I think they have a fairly short vision of the future because there's a lot of change. This is a place of the present. You can't really get off the island. There isn't really a lot of change in the future for where you can go. So it's more... Uh, the focus of the inhabitants are right now. And are there like any particular futures that the people of this little area want? I think probably for this little area, the with because they're surrounded by so many different forces, it's more just trying to keep the peace between the different forces. Mm-hmm. Because if anything goes wrong, it's going to go wrong in their backyard. That makes a lot of sense. And they have nowhere to go. Because on one hand, they could run into the fleshy forest, or they could go into the bays, or they could go into the docks and into the river. And they don't really have a lot of options. Less so than maybe some of the other areas on this island. Tomorrow it could be that the jackals are the ones that are having all of the the tensions, or the next day it could be that something new weird is coming out of the forest, or the day after that, maybe something else has come out of the maze, something no one knew about before. So A lot of having to like fend for themselves. Yeah, and just not just not a lot of forward planning. You just cause they they're so focused on fixing whatever the problem is at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Who would like to go next? Uh, Yeah, I have the Jack of Hearts, which I'm quite excited about. So the Jack of Hearts is, who lives here? What is an average person like in this place? What do they wear, look like? So I think this area is kind of like on the cusp of being a bit decrepit. Like, I think this is an area that established itself as quite nice a couple of generations ago. Um, But then kind of the nice area around, you know, the jackals and and all the important people shifted to the other side away from the flesh forests. And this area's kind of been on a slow decline since then. So it's sort of a bit faded and forgotten, but still kind of chugging along. So I think a lot of the people here are really proud of this area because a a bunch of people don't want to live here and make it quite clear they don't want to live here. And everyone who does live here is like, well, no, you're wrong. We love the flesh forest. It's great, (laughs) sort of. And I think there's a habit in this area of wearing like really unique custom-made pieces of jewellery or, like, belt buckles or glasses, like, really big, showy items so that if you get lost in the maze and your item turns up in the forest, people will know it's yours. That's really good. I was going to make, a like, an offer for, like, what changed this area's fortunes. So, like, just on the west on the map is, like, tear which is like a big jagged tear into the maze and maybe like that opened up recently and that's kind of what scared a load of people off yeah i think that makes sense because i think this is probably an area that previously would have been like nice cafes and shops and like people who were clerks for the jackals and things or people who worked in admin at the whatever that big weird eye-shaped thing is oh that's like a temple okay yeah so people like who work at the temple or 
visit the temple and stuff would have hung out in this neighborhood. And since the tear opened, people go the long way around or have moved to the other side if they can afford it. And so this area is still, the community is still really active. Like all the shops are still open, the cafes still keep going, but the clientele is smaller and everyone keeps everything kind of fiercely in the best shape that they can. But obviously they don't have that jackal temple interest anymore. So it's just not quite what it used to be. Lots like make do amend and things like that. Yeah. And probably like hauling stuff from the worm mounts and be like, oh, I found a new table. Uh, I think people from neighborhoods slightly further away would do that. I don't think people from this one would because there's a huge chance it's someone you know's table. <laughs> and I think it would just be like slightly frowned upon. Like it's a bit grotesque to do that. That makes a lot of sense. They probably sell it to people outside, but won't take it themselves. Oh, yeah, they, they do that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, anyone want to go next? Uh, yeah, I've got a fun one. I have the King of Diamonds. And the King of Diamonds is... Who or what is in power here? Is it a ruler, an apex predator, a series of laws that govern society, the weather? Um, and if we're talking about the specific district, this this like little area, I think it's more interesting looking at the, the sort of smaller scale groups that control things that go on around here, yeah. Rather than the, the power of the island of you know the city as a whole. So, seeing as we're going into Blades in the Dark, I reckon let's go criminal gang. Let's there's some kind of group that controls. Maybe there's like a black market around here or something. Maybe they're connected to um one what Bryn said about people from other districts coming in and rifling through the uh, worm piles. Hmm. I mean, we've got the Umbral Provenders, which I really like. Provenders, sorry, yeah. Um, It's a group of traders who use the city's mazes to smuggle contraband. So, yeah, I think the idea that the Umbral Provenders basically own this area. You know, they their main sort of black market trading place is here and they use the mazes to get their goods around from different parts of the, of the city. That's really nice. Um, one of the things I mentioned about the Umbral Provenders is Kadroya's maze isn't just here. Like, it goes out into the world. So, like, this is probably a place where you can get anything if you like oh yeah spend enough coin Mm -hmm. so um just going back to the previous one Mm. um (laughs) i'm not sure it's quite right because it might be a little bit too similar to a name that we've already got but um i quite like roya roya it's just sort of like yeah because it's sort of a bit of a a combination of the two kadroya and rodella (laughs) <laughs> um, yes. like it's it, it's it's not quite a ship name, but it's also uh, an, an Arabic name that means vision or dream. Okay, which I think is quite nice. Um, who would like to go next? I've decided that I'm going to skip mine. I think mine has actually been answered quite well in other questions, so I'm happy to skip mine too. Okay, so if you're both skipping, I'll go to mine, which I think is the last card. And I have the Jack of Diamonds, which is, what is this place named or called? Who named it and for what reason? I'm so glad I don't have this one. <laughs> My obvious instinct at the start of this is name it something like Heart or Ribs. But, like, that's maybe too blunt. Um, but, like, I imagine people maybe call it that as, like, slang. But for the name itself, does it? Does anyone have any good ideas? I feel like it could be something market now. I mean, there's like Atrium. Oh, Atrium is good. Yeah, it's called Atrium. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. That's such a pun, though. <laughs> I really like it because it's next to like all of the gardens that the jackals have. Yep. And I think it like ties into like the history we've built of like, this is where... 
Rodella's like heart came to rest. It's where like people left people. It's where people forged connections. Like I feel like it all ties in really nicely. I think Atrium is it. So that brings us to the end of our first section of play, in which we create the area that our camera is focused on and paint it in broad brushes. The next thing we're going to do is move on to the main phase of play, in which we're going to look at this place through four cycles, four specific periods of time. We're going to be focusing on what people's lives are like in Atrium. Maybe meeting some of the district's inhabitants. And drawing cards and creating events and seeing what impact those events have on the district's inhabitants. But before we move on to that, let's quickly wrap up. So from this first section, we know that our district is called Atrium. It's a place hemmed in by dangerous forces. On one side is the jackals, on another the tear into the maze, and on another is the fleshwood. Inside the district, there's a group called the Umbral Provenders who seem dangerous themselves, who wield an unofficial authority over the district's inhabitants. Atrium is an area that used to be somewhat prosperous. It was an area of shops and cafes of well-kept streets and libraries. But at some point recently, the city's traffic shifted. People no longer go to the docks through Atrium streets. There are canals now. People take steps to avoid the tear into the maze. Things have gotten a little bit worn. But despite the area's lack of prosperity, this is a place where people look after their own. This is a place where people are proud to come from. It's a place with its own community and tradition, with pride in its streets. Next episode, we'll be finding out a little bit more about Atrium and what it's like here.